in just a few seconds, we've got another amazing leader for you on Walking the Walk. But first, are you a member of the Sensei Leader Movement yet? And if not, why not? Your success as a leader is measured by one thing, the success of your people. And you're at your best when, and only when, you help your people perform at their best. Our mission is to help our members inspire, empower, and guide the people you lead to their very best. Our first level membership is free, always will be. Now, I don't want to keep you any longer from today's guest, so just visit slmjoinfree.com for all the benefits and join the Sensei Leader Movement today. Another amazing guest we have for you today, and he's a new friend. The first time we met was on his program, and we just hit it off. We're so singing in harmony. He's the CEO and the founder of the Emory Leadership Group, Patrick Verano. And you're going to want to stick to the very end because he's going to share his cables with us. These are amazing keys to help you be a more effective human-centric leader. We'll be back in just a few seconds with Patrick Verano. People who inspire, empower, and guide us to our very best. Leaders who are walking the walk. Your host, leadership activist, author, and founder of the Sensei Leader Movement, Jim Bouchard. Patrick, I got to tell you, you know, the other day when you had me on your program, which is an amazing program, by the way, uh, it's just, I knew we had a connection. I knew we were just singing in harmony, and it was so cool to be able to meet you. And ironically, we found out that we live like 20 minutes away from each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it really was, and I, I think I told you, I've seen your um things on LinkedIn for years and I've always said, you know, I've got to reach out and you did it first. And as we had our conversation, I will say we really did. It was like we were in sync on so many different things. It was enjoyable. That's probably a good place to start because I know, you know, one of the, one of the big themes, you know, in your work is this idea that, you know, the greatest part of leadership is really dedicating yourself to serving the people who trust in you as a leader, right? Yeah. You want to, you want to start there and just yeah. share share a little bit about your philosophy? So we both agreed on who is to be attributed with a certain quote that that I've used for a number of years, right? That if your actions inspire somebody to do more, dream more, learn more, become more, yeah. you're a leader. Um for many years I thought John Quincy Adams and then found out in fact it's Dolly Parton. Um <laughs> so um which to me I, I will say means even more, I think as it relates to Dolly Parton because As the more I thought about this, just the other day after we had this conversation was, here you have somebody that truly um, wasn't a person that had a title, so to speak, but her actions, I would argue, has done all of those things, inspired somebody to do more, dream more, learn more, become more. And to me, that's what this is about. It's about our actions that inspire. It's not about a title. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, spirit of full disclosure, I know I said this to to you on your show. You know, I met her. I got a chance to play with her. And in a past life, and it's interesting because she is absolutely the person you see. And what a tremendous leader, tremendous business leader. She's a tremendous business person. But then every time, uh, you know, there's a crisis, she's done a lot for the people in Tennessee when they've had tornadoes and the fires a few years ago. And with the uh, with the COVID crisis, she's come up with, I think she donated something like a million dollars to hospitals in, in Tennessee. Amazing. Interesting. You know what else I was thinking, and I... I... I will say I haven't done a lot of work or digging on this, but not a name that I ever hear come up in regards to scandals or or doing things inappropriately, which is interesting as well, right? The part of that actions that inspire. She's too transparent. I mean, she right? when people try to catch her, she says, "Yeah, I did that," and you know, I think some some other leaders can learn from that, right? I would agree. 
I would certainly yeah. agree. How did you get started on this leadership track? I, I'm always interested because there's, you know, there's so many people, and we talked a lot about, you know, part of our common ground is this focus on human-centric leadership. And yeah. whenever we talk about this, so many people that say, geez, are, you know, is there enough work for you guys out there? I said, look, there's so much work to be done. There's not enough of us. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's exactly it. There's, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, for me, it goes back to, I, I would think even in grade school and many people that I talk to are the same thing that are in this space of, of helping other people. They say, you know what? I was always the person that somebody would, would reach out to and say, oh, listen, I've got a problem or what do you think about this? And they sort of bounced ideas off of you. It was a, it was like being a, a trusted advisor at times to different people. And I always enjoyed that. Um, I was going to ask and you, then, so you did enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I, I got into formal coaching and realized that my job was not to tell people what to do. It really was the belief that everybody has the answers themselves. And my job is simply to, to ask questions or challenge in ways that, that bring those out. And I think one of the things as well, first off, I got into the biotech industry from there. I was involved in sales, sales training, um, leadership development, always had this drive of of wanting or believing that people could do more mm. and myself included and knowing all the times when I didn't do that. Um, and it was it was about one of the taglines that I would often use is rise above your best. And the whole point behind that was not somebody else's best. Yeah. Rise above your best. And I think that for me was an area that I always struggled with at times where I would compare myself to somebody else at my own detriment, hmm. that I would get caught up in um, maybe envying where somebody else was. Yeah, and it yeah. really hindered my own growth. That green monster, Whereas, ugly beast, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas opposed to when you can think about it in terms of rising above my best and in coaching, then I can always do something better tomorrow than I did today based on whatever it was. And even if I'm at a low point, of today, then that means that tomorrow, all I've got to do is get better than that, that low point. I'm rising yeah. above my best, nobody else's. You sure you weren't a black belt? Maybe in a past life. Because no, um, everything, you know, right? everything you're saying is it resonates so much because so much of what I what I share it comes from that experience and this idea. You know, there's only one champion at any given time. You know, we can't all be the best, but we can all be our best, right? I, yeah. think, I think that's what I'm hearing you saying, and. And the, the idea about questions, too, teaching with questions, I think that's so powerful, isn't it? And especially those of us who are coaches or teachers, every leader should be coach, a teacher, teacher, a mentor. Um, doesn't that reveal so much more about our own areas for improvement? I hesitate to say weaknesses sometimes, right? When we're teaching somebody else, man, it, it's a, if you're doing it right, it's a hard look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, it, leaders are learners. We had this conversation. I truly believe that leaders are learners. And there's a, a quote that I have used for a decade now by a gentleman named Eric Hoffer. And he said, in times of change, learners inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. And we are living in that right now, right? This world of change. And to me, it's it's that curiosity, that ability to figure out how, how are we going to navigate this situation going forward? And if we're not, if we think we've got the answers ourselves, we're we're going to be beautifully equipped to to inherit a world that just doesn't exist anymore. I couldn't agree more. Isn't it interesting? Because the answers we have now, or the answers we're developing now, they'll better prepare us for similar things and similar challenges in the future. But 
uh, we have. To, I think the process is more important, isn't it? Especially for leaders. I mean, you know, they have to know. I think the best leaders know how to formulate the right questions. And geez, that just never stops, right? Right. And along those lines, we've talked about the importance of vulnerability. Mm. To be able to say, I don't have all the answers. Um, I I think another thing that this crisis has created was it is it has debunked the myth of self-made. Nobody is self-made. We are self-motivated to be successful, but not self-made. And if we really think about it, unless I birthed myself, fed myself growing up, created the roads that I drive on, the car I drive in, the clothes I wear, the house I live in, I don't. I don't do any of those things myself. I rely on other people. And to me, that is something that I think this has created a real ability to look to say, we need each other. Do you see a difference? And it's funny because, again, for people who don't know, uh, Patrick and I both live in the wonderful state of Maine, vacation land, right? <laughs> and I, I, I always think back to Thoreau, you know, and and uh, you know, these people um, that really preached that idea of self-reliance, which, which I really believe in, but that doesn't discount our interdependency. But do you see a difference between people who are, how would you say it, over-dependent? can't have no sense of independence and those people who have healthy self-reliance with the understanding that we are tightly interdependent. Yeah. Um, And I would say it probably goes back many times to how we were raised ourselves. Mm. You know, our, (laughs) our self, we're not. Yeah. 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 Right. That if I don't have the confidence or belief that I, I can overcome something that I do think we fall into a self-fulfilling prophecy that we, we don't. And I, I think back to, um, being in school and I had teachers that didn't expect much of me. And I had other teachers that really held me to a higher standard and I didn't disappoint either one of those, that those that didn't expect much of me, guess what? They, they really didn't get much from me. And that was my own, right? I, they didn't believe in me and I lacked belief in myself, I think at times. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that because I know you quizzed me on that a bit. Um, you know, this idea that, you know, so many of us come from, from dark places, right? Or, or play at least places where we're underperforming. Um, and some of us are blessed enough to recognize it. I mean, not that it's an easy thing to see in yourself, but I know to me, I all, I'm always grateful that I saw ugliness in the mirror and I was able to do something about it, you know, where some people were every, are every bit as ugly as I was, but never see it. And they, and they can't get out of that mess. Yeah. And it's hard. I, my own belief is if I look back on, on my past, there were, there were enough events along the way or people that were put in that place that kept me on the right track that, Mm. that really held me to a higher standard while I wasn't strong enough to do it myself they were the ones that were saying, you're better than this. And yeah. I wanted to live up to that. Some of those people you, know? you only see for a moment too, right? I mean, And that's exactly it. I think they're just placed there just for what reason. They're there at the right time. And we talked about youth and how some people just don't catch a break. There are many things that I did growing up yeah. that I, I could have easily – if I had been caught for those things mm-hmm. um, in school, I could have been in a youth detention center. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just the fact that I wasn't. Um, I was smoking cigarettes in the third grade. Mm-hmm. 
So not many kids smoke cigarettes in the third grade. Get a little reprobate. Um, <laughs> yeah. But somehow yeah. that didn't last long. I jokingly say that I, I quit cold turkey Yeah. <laughs> by the time I was in the fourth grade, I think. But again. I hear you, man. It was a couple of things that it wasn't even things that I was necessarily doing myself or the mastermind. It certainly wasn't the mastermind, but just things I was involved with where uh, had I been caught, um, I, you and I might be talking just after my parole <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I think probably it would have been, would have been about that long. So no, it was, it was sheer luck. I want to get back to the idea of these people that touch you just for a moment though. I'm always curious about this. Can you think of something in the, the name isn't is is not as important as the experience, but someone who came in and out of your life just for a moment and and really touched you, really moved you forward, and and how they did that. Yeah, I had a fourth grade teacher. His name was Mister Aceto, and I will never forget this. In terms of, uh, he said when we started off the school year, you can come to me and and if you think I'm not doing the right thing, you can talk to me about anything. Call me out on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in class one day, and I felt like he was he was picking on me in a sense. And I was so scared. It was the first time I'd ever been in this situation. I went up to him and I said, I want to talk to you. And he stood up. We walked outside of the classroom. He closed the door and he said, what do you want to talk about? Hmm. And he listened to me like really, he walked the talk, right? He said, I'm, I'm willing to. And I said, I don't think you're treating me fairly right now. And I remember just the power that that had. Obviously, I still remember to this day that he was, he was an adult that was walking the talk, but also it allowed me an opportunity to find my own voice, to say, you can have the courage to do this. Yeah. Um, and that has stood out with me. Isn't that powerful? It just flashed me back to something I used to share with my instructors. And I don't know how I learned to do this, but a lot of martial arts, we learn to teach by questions. You know what I mean? Which I still think is the most powerful way to teach. And yeah. once in a while with the kids, you know, I'd have to put the kids off the floor. You know, they'd be doing something. They, would, they, they might get hurt or hurt somebody else or they just weren't paying attention. So my practice was always to go over to them. You know, go ahead, sit out. I'll be with you in a minute. I'd go over and I'd say, so why are you sitting here? Right. And, of course, the stock answer would be, well, since you told me to. I said, no, 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 that's not the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> you got to do better than that. But by asking that question, it engaged their thinking. And they always, you know, and they're, they're, they actually were solving their own problem. Right. Yeah. Just in talking that up. But you're right. It's the power of of asking questions and listening and listening sincerely. Because right? if you don't care, don't bother. Right. Yeah. 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 And that was it. It was it was really a, a moment where I was like, you know what? He what he said and what he did were the same. And I imagine and I imagine you, you share that same imprint when you're working with with your corporate clients and whatnot. Right? I mean, that's that's what leader. I think so much so many times I understand it. But what I hear in workshops sometimes is, yeah, I don't have time for that. What do you, yes. you gotta. You, gotta you can't afford not to have yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You really can't afford not to have time. I think of all of the the behaviors for us or skills that we can learn. Listening to me is the most important, and then second to that, I would say is is the questions you ask to be able to listen to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to stop for a quick break, and we're going to be back with Patrick Verano, Emory Group Leadership. He speaks and trains people all over the world. Great guy, and I'm, I'm very pleased. I hope I'm not talking out of school. I, I feel uh, a new friend, and really feels good to agreed. say that. We'll be back in just a couple yeah, of minutes. Yeah, Patrick Verano established the Emory Leadership Group in 2008, the mission of helping individuals and organizations tap into the great potential inside themselves. 
He's also the host of Reimagining Leadership, one of our favorite podcasts. That's available on your favorite podcast platform and, of course, at emeryleadershipgroup.com. With his depth of experience and his formal training and coaching, EI, MI, and human decision-making, Patrick has been able to create an environment of durable success for his clients. And he's accredited to deliver a variety of effective assessments for both individual and group development. Whether in a corporate or a healthcare setting, Patrick's approach and training will help individuals rise above their best. When individuals succeed, the organization succeeds. Learn more about Patrick and the Emory Leadership Group at emoryleadershipgroup.com. The research is bomb-proof. People perform at their best when and only when they know their leaders care, when they know their work has meaning, and when they have the chance to learn, grow, and develop. To accomplish this, we need to connect with the people we serve, the people who trust in our leadership. Leaders today need emotional intelligence, strong interpersonal skills, and an accurate sense of self-awareness. I'm Jim Bouchard, leadership activist and founder of the Sensei Leader Movement. The Sensei enjoys a very special relationship with students. It's one built on respect, trust, and loyalty. And these are also a leader's most valuable assets. I help you build these relationships. I work with you to help you inspire, empower, and guide your people to their very best. That's what the best leaders do. And that's what the Sensei does. My job is to help you be the Sensei so you can lead your people to their very best and yours. Executive coaching, workshops, corporate training. Visit thesenseileader.com or call 207-751-4317 today to learn more. Patrick, before the break, we talked about uh, you know, people that, that made an imprint on your life, right? How about, let's, I'm going to press you for a case study. I mean, you've worked with a lot of cool organizations, you know, a lot of good people. And I know you and I both shared that, that we much prefer to work with good organizations, right, with, with good philosophies and good cultures because we can bring more value to them. It's hard to fix bad in this world. But uh, yeah. can you think of, a, of an organization that really exemplifies what, what you, you know, express as a philosophy? It's funny. I, I think of a couple organizations that I stopped working with because mm-hmm. they weren't doing that. Right. That it was lip service to it and they, they weren't. That's a a testament to you, though, because a lot of people in in our world will work with anybody as long as the, you know, the cash flow is coming. So, yeah, and it just doesn't um, uh, I and will say selfishly, I won't do it because to me, you damage my brand. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. If they're not doing what you what you're sharing and what good is it? Right. And they're they're not they're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Without naming names, then who's let me rephrase this. Who is the worst of the worst? What's the worst? challenge you what's one of the ones you walked away from and why i think that'd be um i had a i had a cfo that was going through a program that he had put his entire group um through a workshop Mm -hmm. um, around building a better team yet he was he was the biggest barrier to that team being successful because people were were afraid of him i mean very afraid and and he treated people in such a way that he he really humiliated them and would do it in front of a group and his response to me was i don't need to change i i get what i get without this yeah and my response to that was i don't i don't disagree that you get results what i what i will challenge you with and all the research will back me up on this is you don't get the best results your behaviors don't provide you with the best results and as a chief financial officer wouldn't 
wouldn't that be important to you? Man, I'll tell and you that, it wasn't. And yeah, I, yeah, that story just makes me sad. I mean, and I, it made me think of uh, again one of the beautiful imprints I got in my experiences as martial artist. And I, I usually I have a slide usually I put up when I'm presenting. It's it's my black belt, and it's all gray frayed out thing. And there's a reason for that. I won't get into the whole story right now, but. Uh, when the black belt re- frays away, this this particular kind, it reveals a white belt underneath, you see. And that's what's supposed to remind us of what in martial arts we call beginner's mind, which is really the true mind of the master, always wanting to learn, to grow, to develop, never stopping, right? Happy but never quite satisfied. And I think that's, that, I think that's what you're saying there. I mean, the best leaders are those people. When As soon as you say you're done, you are, <laughs> right? Yeah. Put, stick a foot now, in it. That said, I've worked with multiple individuals within organizations mm-hmm. that that is their their drive is around curiosity. How do I get better? Yeah. Um, and that to me is that's what really energizes me as well. Um, anybody that is, if you're willing to put the time in, I will. I'm going 110 percent following you if Absolutely. you're doing the work too. Absolutely right. That's an interesting. That brings up an interesting question too and this happened this just the other day on another program uh one of the people brought up this and i hear this a lot when that when that person in the position of authority is the barrier you know people are always wondering how do i manage i've got and we're going to assume for now anyway this person is stuck they have to stay at this company it's nice for us to always say there are options there are but right for whatever reason i'm not judging i'm sure she had great reasons you know how how do you help someone manage that difficulty when they're doing the, they're doing the work that you laid out but that that top dog is is holding them back yeah um a great question when i do the workshops around emotional intelligence especially never fails that it'll be a group of 15 20 individuals and somebody will say oh you know who should be in this group yeah jim should be in this group sally should be in this group mm-hmm. never fails yeah and i will say repeatedly that I I don't disagree that Jim or Sally, I don't know them, but from what you're saying, they probably do need to be here. That said, we don't control that. They may never end up at one of these workshops, or if they do, they may not care enough to say, this is all BS. I'm not doing this stuff. And that's it. So what we do know is all we can control is ourselves, how we respond to somebody else's behaviors. That's it. And it's a far better place to be than to wish that other people start behaving in the right way. I've got to figure out in my own life how to be able to navigate when things don't go my way. Because Jim or Sally, if you decide to leave this company, guess what? Jim or Sally are at the next company you're going to. This manager, you're going to see this person again in your next company. So wouldn't it be better to develop the behaviors and the skills on how to navigate this situation right now so that you leave on your own terms really rather than being feeling like you've been forced out of something because you couldn't navigate it in that place? That, that's a beautiful way to put it because then what you're really speaking to, I think, is, is the idea that even if there's barriers in your current situation, you're still learning, you're still growing, you're still expanding your potential, right? And uh, and you'll see those other a-holes on their long trip back to the middle, right? Because right. Inevitably, inevitably, I mean, I shouldn't say inevitably. I'd say 99% of the time, even though it doesn't seem obvious, you know, in the moment, those people fail, those people fall, right? Uh, you know, and some of them go to jail. 
Yeah. yeah. I wish more often. Uh, or, yeah. <laughs> um, Some of them who get is away it with that, it too long. Yeah. What is it that um, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so? Mm-hmm. So it all depends on how we we position ourselves in terms of our own mindset, how we're going to, how we're going to approach somebody or something. Right. Right. And all I really control in the end is myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thought, and again, I please understand we're not being judgmental. There are any number of reasons you might be in the same position, but I remember when the Wells Fargo uh, fraud was hitting really hard and we were hearing from people say, well, you know, these people in that position, they should just get out. I said, well, be careful, you know, Good people sometimes have to, for whatever reason, if they're feeding their children or whatever, have to put up, put up with some pretty bad situations at times. But the flip side of it, too, is, uh, yeah, you don't need, if you see that it's wrong, you don't need to stay in a situation like there are always opportunities. Difficult, right, to pursue sometimes. But you've got to weigh the cost to yourself as a human being as well. Yeah, without question. And nobody has the right answer to to this stuff. We do really... Um, I think in the moment at times the the best we can with what we've had before, hopefully. And I think it's it's very easy for us at times, and I certainly am guilty of this, of putting a narrative on somebody else based on what I see one one behavior is. And all of a sudden I tell a whole story on who this person is yeah. without really this idea of taking a step back and saying, um, what what might I be missing here? I, I probably don't know the whole story. No, exactly, and which is leads perfectly into the follow-up is that uh how do you how do you help people manage being exposed to leaders because these are the guys that i hate the most leaders i won't even use the word leaders okay uh managers who somehow compel people to do things that they know are wrong and again that that story and i'm, I'm not picking on wells fargo necessarily i, I hope they made corrections I've, I've heard that they have but you know, those managers that were telling people at all costs, you had to hit these quotas, which caused the, if people don't know what I'm talking about, caused them to pump uh, uh, open accounts in people's names that they didn't know. They call it pumping, account pumping, right? Just horrible. And it was millions and millions of dollars of damage that was done there. Just just terrible. Uh, but the story is that we ripped it apart as we, as we uh, unpacked it. Um, people were under a hell of a lot of pressure, right, from the, from the folks above them to, to do what they had to do. Yeah. And you you bring up, a, I think, an important topic, too, that can often happen. And we know the, the research behind this, that um, we've heard of stories throughout time of, um, and I forget the one right now, the, the actual name of it, but it was a woman that was being murdered in New York City. And she was screaming. People could hear this woman screaming. And multiple people heard and nobody called and oftentimes it was because well people felt somebody else right they were going to be the ones to put the call in some mm-hmm. something will be done so they didn't take they didn't take any initiative themselves now we know that there's a herd mentality that can happen i think within organizations too where if values are continually not held there there's no alignment to what we say in, in what we do that what it starts to do is it, it just builds this sense of you don't even know you, you're you're involved in it and you don't even realize that it's wrong anymore at times because, well, that's just what everybody's doing. It's almost like it's normal. And it's not until somebody steps away that they're like, holy smokes, like, I can't believe we were actually we were doing that. So we justify right in our own head why, oh, it's not so bad or 
um, you know, other people are doing it, so it's not that big a deal. When in fact, if we isolate ourselves from it, we realize that, how did I get here? How did I stray so far off? And it's because it happens incrementally. If I'm hearing you right, then that's a, that's a discipline we need to embed in our life then, right? To take that step back from time to time and analyze, even at the best of times, you know, to take a step back, look in the mirror and ask if we're really in the place that we want to be, right? Yeah. If this was on the front page of the paper and I was reading this about myself, what, what would it say? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Let's, as we start wrapping things up, and we're going to have you back on a bunch of times if that's cool with you. Yeah, <laughs> I love we're it. We're going to put you on the regular list. Okay. Let's, let's go a little, let's wax a little more philosophically. I know we both like to do that, right? Why don't you share some of your, some of your core values, some of your core principles that make someone an effective leader? Is it fair to say, I'm, I'm sure, quite sure we're singing harmony. When we're talking about both of us, we're talking about a leader. We're not talking about a position of authority. We're talking about what we can all do, right? To assume that, that leadership, uh, that leadership yeah. quality, right? Yeah. So there's a, um, there's a blueprint that I, um, created for work, but something that I certainly, I, I try and live by myself. And I would say it's, it's both a blueprint to me and it's, it's an owner's manual of, of a, of a series of values and it's called cables and it's an acronym for six different behaviors that I will, will often speak to. The first one is congruence is walking the talk is what I say and what I do is it in alignment because if it's not then I'm not building trust in anybody else I'm certainly not building strong relationships if I'm not if I'm not walking the talk the next is around appreciation and that is really two forms of appreciation one is am I recognizing other people around me for for the good that they do but also am I appreciating other people for their differences their diversity Right. And not just making judgments on people because they're not like me, but recognizing that where there are different personalities, there are different people and we need that. Um, the B in that model is around being for others. Belongingness is that when we take a position of trying to give more than we get, we end up in a better place, plain and simple. The next is listening, which is one that I talk about it in four different ways. And I think of all things to me, listening is a superpower. When we listen with our ears, our eyes, our mind, and our heart, yeah. we activate so many different ways of listening to really hear what somebody else is saying, to be present with somebody else. And I think in terms of conflict, to be able to resolve conflict, if we don't really develop a strong sense of understanding how to listen to somebody else, we can never really create durable um, resolutions to conflict. Empathy is the next one that to me stands by itself is really trying to put myself in somebody else's shoes. What, what, what would it be like to be that person before I'm so quick to judge them? And then lastly is setting clear expectations and holding, holding accountability for that, right? What are the rules of the road? What do we need from each other for a good relationship? And for me, when I talk about it as a blueprint, that's how I try and build better relationship bridges as I call them. And if, I'm having problems with somebody else, then the first thing I need to do is take responsibility for those six cables and ask myself, which one of these cables am I probably not demonstrating right now or violating in my own set of values that's creating part of the problem here? Because as much as I might want to blame you, Jim, that it's not me, you're the problem here in this, <laughs> I own something, right? I own something here. And the faster I can find that, the the better chance you and I have of getting back to a a strong relationship bridge. That's, 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 be that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. So the cables, we'll have to make sure that um, 
we'll share that in the in the notes too. Uh, terrific, Patrick. Anything else you'd like to add? I mean, it's, again, I could listen to you. No, I have enjoyed this so much. I feel like we're uh, what do they say, brothers from another mother, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you got the hair. <laughs> you got the hair. How how do people get in touch with you if they'd like to? I know you're a big presence on um, LinkedIn and. Yeah. Yeah. So um, most of my time is spent on LinkedIn. I have a website, Emery Leadership Group, and it's E-M-E-R-Y Leadership Group. And actually, the company is after Emery was my dad's middle name. That's really where that name came from. Yeah. Uh Because to me, he was he was his actions inspired me. Um, And he was somebody that had he got his GED as an adult. So it wasn't about any position of authority he held. It truly was who he was as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on Instagram, uh, Coach Patrick V. You can reach me there. Twitter's the same thing, Coach Patrick V. We're going to make sure we've got we got some more stories to share. We're going to start with that one next time. Sound good? <laughs> Sounds great. All right, Patrick. It's thanks, a good story. Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Walking the Walk. Please like and share. Our mission at the Sensei Leader Movement is to support and develop human-centric leaders, leaders who put people first. Leaders who inspire, empower, and guide people to their very best. Be part of the movement. Join and access all our free resources by visiting thesenseileader.com. To book Jim or host your own event, call us at 207-751-4317.